Welcome to Rainbow Puppy Science Lab. It's the world's only lab dedicated exclusively to the study of all things awesome. Every episode, we'll explore a different subject and figure out what makes it great. So goggles on, awesomeologists. This might get messy. But we're about to discover something, something awesome. awesome. Hi, I'm Atticus. And I'm Kyle. For a season finale, we chose to go to the moon. But before we can get there, if you recall, at the end of last week's episode, we shared two stories and challenged you to try to tell truth from fiction. It's a little game we like to call fact or fate. Here's your first story. Art and creativity is so core to what makes us human NASA actually decided to put an artist on the moon during one of the Apollo missions so that he could draw in the dirt knowing that without wind or water on the surface, that drawing will likely stay on the surface for millions of years. Or the extreme temperatures and pressures in our solar system's ice giants, Neptune and Uranus, can do some amazing things to different elements like carbon. Some scientists believe that on those planets, it may actually rain diamonds. So there you have it. Two totally cool bits of trivia. One of them is an absolutely amazing, totally true fact, but the other is incredible, meaning it's just not credible because it's totally fake. Which seems too good to be true. Are there any details that make one seem a little sus? Pause the show if you need a moment to think about it. We'll be right here when you get back. Now, as a matter of fact, the true story is... Drumroll, please. The ankle has landed. Uh, Dad, that's a recording of the moon landing. It's fine. Just roll with it. Now, the true story was scientists believe that on the ice giants, it can actually rain diamonds. I guess while diamonds seem rare and expensive to us, they're not that rare in the universe. In fact, there's a planet outside our solar system that may actually be almost entirely made of diamond. If you thought NASA sent an artist to the moon, you weren't too far off. While NASA may not have sent an artist to the moon per se, there have been artworks sent to the moon, at least two that we know of. Moon Museum and Fallen Astronaut were both taken up to the moon within about a year or two of the first moon landing. Now, interestingly, the very last astronaut to land on the moon, before he left, he knelt down and did make a drawing on the surface of the moon. Well, not so much a drawing so much as his daughter's initials. And because there is no atmosphere, no wind, no water, or anything to erode the surface of the moon, those initials can stay up there for millions of years. Now, let's go back to one of the greatest achievements of the 20th century, the moon landing. Sounds to me like it's time to break out Rainbow Puppy Science Lab's super advanced future technology, the Wayback Machine. We choose to go to the moon, the moon, the moon. Uh, Dad... Great, now how are we going to go back and understand the past? 
We just need to use the most powerful processor people have ever known, the human mind. Imagine this. July 16, 1969. The weather was partly cloudy with a chance of rain. Normally, this wouldn't be a cause for any concern. But on this particular day, NASA was about to attempt something nobody had ever done before. They were going to send three astronauts to the moon. It was a risky endeavor, even in the best of circumstances. But they decided to push through the clouds, which I suppose you could say was the plan all along. After all, they were going to the moon. The millions of eyes across the globe were glued to their television sets, watching the momentous event unfold live. Families gathered together, and even strangers crowded around storefront displays just to witness history in the making. There were three astronauts on the historic mission, Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, and Michael Collins. The three of them spent most of the eight-day mission in a capsule that was only a little over 200 cubic feet. For comparison, a minivan is about 150 cubic feet. Of course, this was not your average road trip. The Apollo 11 spacecraft brought them over 238,000 miles to the moon, but there were no pit stops along the way. Wait, so with no rest stops along the way, as they went for days, where'd they go to, you know, the bathroom? I mean, nobody can hold it for that long. In an interview, one of the NASA engineers said the bathroom situation was actually one of the most frustrating problems. They couldn't have plumbing and water, or worse yet, waste floating around the capsule. In the end, the best plan they could come up with at the time was to give the astronauts bags. So they would have to go into a corner and poop in a bag? Well, it was a round space capsule, so not really a corner, but yeah. Sometimes we get so focused on those big accomplishments, like a person going to the moon, that we forget all the endured to achieve it. Okay, but let's get this mission back on track and focus on that moon landing. Well, four days after the launch, on July 20th, 1969, News reports across the Earth informed the public that the Eagle has landed. The Eagle was the name of the lunar lander, or the small craft that went from the space capsule and landed on the moon's surface. As he stepped off the ladder, Neil Armstrong said these famous words. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. One small step for man, one giant leap for mankind? I hate to be that guy, but for man and for mankind both mean the same thing. This has been debated for a long time. Neil Armstrong knew that he needed to say something good when he landed because the world would be listening and remembering his words at that historic moment. He always insisted that he said one small step for a man, meaning it was a small step for an individual, but it represented a giant leap for all of humanity. Yeah, that makes more sense. 
The audio was a bit rough because they didn't have professional podcast mics in their spacesuits. In fact, their computer systems they used to land on the moon had less processing power than an iPhone. In 2019, people were celebrating the 50th anniversary of the moon landing. People did the math and found out that an iPhone had about a hundred thousand times as much processing power as the Apollo 11 computer. A lot of the calculations used to plan the mission were carried out by human computers, like the mathematician Katherine Johnson. Anyways, as you heard in the recording, there was a bit of static. But people analyzing the audio using more sophisticated computers a few years ago found the missing A. So Neil Armstrong was right about his famous quote: "It's the rest of the world that got it wrong for decades." Well, I'm glad we got that straightened out. Oh, and that they were successful in their mission, walking on the moon and collecting rocks and doing experiments for a few hours before they spent another four days flying back to Earth. And I'm sure you would expect them to finally stretch their legs a bit after that, but actually they had to quarantine for three weeks after landing back on Earth. Why? Well, nobody had been to the moon before. Scientists didn't know exactly what may have been on the surface. What? So they were worried some sort of extraterrestrial germs were hitching a ride with the astronauts? Exactly, but don't feel too sorry for them. While in quarantine, they got a visit from the president, and when they came out, they were greeted as heroes. Now, after the break, my dad is going to tell us about another Apollo mission and an astronaut who snuck something aboard to leave on the moon. Hi, friends! Are you looking for a storytime podcast with your littles? Something that has some great storytelling and maybe some conversation about it? Look no further. With storytime with Philip and Mommy, my little guy Philip and I sit down every single day and read a story together. And we, of course, want you to join us. Grab your copy of the book, sit down, let's read it, and let's talk about it. We'll learn new words, we'll learn new ideas, and then we'll learn how we can use those stories in our lives. It's a lot of fun. Classics like Little Golden Books or Bernstein Bears, all the way up through the newest phenomenons like Bluey. We talk about them and we have a lot of laughs. It's a great time, and we hope that you can come and join us. So please look for us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Story time with Philip and Mommy. Thanks so much. We'll see you there. Have you ever wondered who the Mary was from Bloody Mary? If the Loch Ness monster was real, or if Ouija boards actually worked, on each episode of the family-friendly Unspookable, we look at the histories and mysteries behind your favorite scary stories, myths, and urban legends to get the real stories behind the scares. Want to solve your next mystery? Find and follow Unspookable now wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, awesomeologists. In 1969, NASA landed the first astronauts on the moon. It was a relatively short stay given the distance they had traveled to get there and the years of work preparing for the voyage. Most people don't know this, but just a few years later, the Apollo 15 crew 
left an astronaut behind to remain on the moon since 1971. It all started here on Earth at a dinner party. Paul van Hoydonk, a Belgian artist known for his paintings and prints, was attending a dinner party where he met David Scott, one of the astronauts slated to go to the moon on the Apollo 15 mission. As they were talking, they started thinking about the monumental achievement of putting people in outer space and on the moon. All the teams of scientists working for years, building off the work of previous generations, and of course, those who had made the ultimate sacrifice, losing their lives in the pursuit of advancing space exploration. They thought it would be nice to make some sort of monument to commemorate the fallen astronauts. And what better location than the moon? It's kind of beautiful when you think about it. A monument to those who pushed themselves as far as they could go, losing their lives for space exploration, having a memorial placed at the absolute outermost bound that any human has ever made it to. While it may seem like fun dinner party conversation to imagine such a monument, transitioning from imagination to reality required them to work out some logistics. First off, it had to be small and light. The space capsule was rather cramped, not to mention the fact that more weight and cargo would require more rocket fuel to take off. There are some different accounts, but from what I've read, another reason the statue needed to be small was because the astronaut, David Scott, smuggled it aboard. He may or may not have let NASA in on his plan, which, when you think about it, was fairly problematic. NASA engineers have to be careful considering all sorts of things we regularly don't. For example, only certain foods are allowed to be brought on a mission. I read that on another mission, an astronaut had smuggled aboard a sandwich, and he said looking back on it, it was a terrible idea because crumbs floating around in a space capsule could get into the instruments, causing critical systems to fail. I mean, back then they were traveling into the unknown with computer systems less powerful and resilient than the device you're using to listen to this podcast. On the topic of resilience... Their monument also needed to be made of a material that would be durable and able to withstand the extremes on the moon. Van Hoydonk made a very modern-looking 3.5-inch aluminum statue, reducing a human figure to a collection of arced forms and clean lines. Van Hoydonk and Scott agreed that it was important for it to symbolize a human generally, but not look like it came from a specific culture. Scott's account is that it represented the fallen crew members of various space missions, which is why he created a small plaque listing the names of several American astronauts and Russian cosmonauts who had passed. Van Hoydunk has stated that it was meant to represent humanity more broadly and not just those crew members. Regardless, in 1971, David Scott placed fallen astronaut along with a plaque on the moon and took a photograph documenting the work. It's remained there ever since. Interestingly, in 1972, Apollo 17 was the last mission to land any humans on the moon. The very last person on the moon was Eugene Cernan. He was the commander of the mission and the last crew member to re-enter the lunar module. Just before he got into the module, 
He got down on one knee and used his finger to write his daughter's initials, TDC, on the moon's surface. Because there's no atmosphere, no wind or water to erode that surface, those initials could stay etched on the moon for millions of years. Now, I can think of no better way to wrap this episode and this season than with the words of former President John F. Kennedy explaining why he pushed teams of scientists, engineers, and astronauts to do something so many had previously considered to be impossible. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept, one we are unwilling to postpone, and one we intend to win, and the others too. That wraps up this season. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Hope you enjoyed the episodes. And come back soon for season two in the not-so-distant future. Thanks for listening to our show. Rainbow Puppy Science Lab is an airwave media podcast. It was written, produced, mixed, and edited by us, Atticus and Kyle. Background music and sound effects came courtesy of Pixabay. Today, we covered something that we love and wanted to learn more about, but what are you curious about? Ask your grown-up to head over to rainbowpuppysciencelab.com to find some fun experiments and activities you can try. While you're there, tell us what you like and what you're curious about. You might just hear it in a future episode.